1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God, and it is the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am, seated right now in the heavenly realms, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine, and I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive. As I'm taught the Word of God, my life has changed for the better, and I will never be the same again. Amen. You may be seated. We're in this series on taking action for a better tomorrow, and the message this morning is give God the opportunity to do something wonderful in your life. We'll begin in Ephesians 3.20. You can take charge of your life, and you can change your life by taking action now for a better tomorrow. C.S. Lewis wrote, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. Faith is a starting point. Faith is the starting point. Faith is fundamental. Faith is essential. Faith is the foundation of a successful life. But faith is not all there is to building a successful life. Action is required. Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So where's the power located? Talk to me. Where's the power located? It is located within us. So God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. That's true. But can God really do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine if we never really even give God a chance to do something wonderful in our lives? Can God really do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine if we never really even make the effort to believe God, confess his word, and take action on his word. So the, the message this morning, the title is, Give God the Opportunity to Do Something Wonderful in Your Life. Now, you know, two or three years from now, if somebody watches this message, they won't know what I'm referring to, but Pastor Sue just read a testimony about a young couple, and they had a child that was, had uh, recurring fevers and seizures. And uh, they brought that child for prayer. We prayed, no more, no more fevers, no more seizures. But here's the point. Kenneth Hagin used to teach us that we should go to God first. Now, we're in a habit. We go to a doctor. If it doesn't work, we go to a second doctor. If we don't like what they're saying, we go to a third doctor. And when we have run the gamut and we have run out of options, then we go to God. And he used to teach us don't do it like that. Go to God first. 
I don't know how many times Sue and I would pray over our children in the evening. We would lay hands on them and we would believe God and confess and declare that they would be well by morning. Because children, you know, they have all these things they're going through. And, uh, and that's part of how God makes them strong and builds their immune system, which, you know, nobody would ever talk about in 2022. But it's part of life. It's part of, it's part of growing up. It's part of the way God designed our bodies to work. But we want our children well. So there were occasions. Say occasions. There were occasions where we took them to see the doctor the next day. But it was rare. My point is, give God a chance. Go to God first. And I would say that, now, now I'm not talking about go to God in prayer before you get a job. Maybe you ought to get a job and then go to God about prosperity. Amen. But I'm saying in all these areas, give God a chance. Tell your neighbor, give God a chance. I mean, how are you going to know what God is willing to do if, if you don't give him a chance? Kenneth Hagin tells a story. It was right here in Fort Worth, Texas. He bought his first Cadillac. And uh, when, he, when he got to town, he was driving this old jalopy. And it, it was, uh, you know, bald tires, 90-something thousand miles. Uh, transmission was leaking. The engine was missing. And, uh, and he traded it on a car. I won't tell the whole story. But... Uh, then subsequent to that, he went to some meeting and he was criticized by another minister for driving a Cadillac. And Kenneth Hagin said to him, now, brother, I'm not going to fall out with you for having Cadillac faith. Or excuse me. Now, brother, I'm not going to fall out with you for having Chevrolet faith. So don't fall out with me for having Cadillac faith. Amen. You see, how do you know what God will do if you don't give him an opportunity? In other words, if you don't test it out, Malachi 3, if you don't try it out, if you don't venture out, how do you even know what God will do or what God won't do? I mean, I've discovered through trial and error what God will do and what God won't do. He will not, he will not help me lose 20 pounds by tomorrow morning. I mean, I've discovered this. I've, but he will make me richer over time. He will allow me to eat the best of the land and drive the best of the land and wear the best of the land. I've discovered what God will do and will, what God will not do. But I did that by giving God an opportunity. You got to give, tell your neighbor, you got to give God a chance. I mean, you've already given Fauci 10,000 chances. I mean, you know, he got it wrong every time. He changes his story every six days. Amen. Well, give God a chance. Hebrews 10.23, Hebrews 10.23, let us hold unswervingly, shout it out loud, unswervingly. unswervingly. Again, unswervingly. unswervingly. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Shout it out loud, he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together. Oh, my goodness, there it is. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Shout it out loud again. For he who promised is faithful. And then verses 35 to 11, 1. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere. 
Oh, my goodness, that word's in the Bible. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Now, notice all these phrases, and I could teach on these verses for a year. But notice these phrases, when you have done the will of God. How do you know what the will of God is? Talk to me. How do you know what the will of God is? So when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. We've got a bunch of people believing they're going to receive, but they haven't done the word of God. They haven't done the will of God. If you don't do the word of God, if you don't do the will of God, then you don't really have a right to expect to receive what he has promised. Verse 37, for in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay, but my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. God's not pleased with shrinkers. I said, God is not pleased with shrinkers. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe God and are saved. Then it says, and you understand, when this was written, there were no chapters and verses. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Verse 35 says, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Verse 36 says, you need to persevere. And verse 39 says, we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. Say it out loud. I'm going to give God the opportunity to do something wonderful in my life. Number one, if you're taking notes, hope sets the goal, but faith is the means you employ to get to your goal. Number one, faith, excuse me, hope sets the goal, but faith is the means you employ to get to your goal. And this is from one of my daddies in the faith, Frederick K.C. Price. He taught this, hope sets your goal, but faith is the means you employ to get to your goal. So what is your goal? What is your, where is it written down? Where are your goals written down? What is your goal? What do you want to become in this life? What do you want to be in five years? Where do you want to be in 10 years? Do you even have any goals? What do you want to do in this life? What do you want to accomplish in this life? I'll guarantee you this. If you never set any goals in life, you'll never reach any goals in life. I said, I'll guarantee you this. If you never set any goals in life, you'll never reach any goals in life. And if you have no goals, you'll have no victories. I said, if you have no goals, you'll have no victories. If you have no goals, you'll never achieve. You'll never experience the joy of that sense of achievement, that sense of accomplishment when you reach your goals. So you have to have goals. You got to set goals. Your whole life ought to be a series of goals that you have set and met, goals that you have set and achieved. And I know, you know, we, we don't have time to teach on all of this or all this stuff every Sunday. Short-term goals, intermediate-term goals, long-term goals. In other words, I might have a goal to reach a net worth, but I can't do that by tomorrow. I've got to have a short-term goal. I've got to have an intermediate-term goal. I've got to have a long-term goal. Amen. And then you just press on toward it. You just get after it. You just take action on it. And then the whole time, believe God, that God, as we sang earlier, believe that God's working. Amen. When I go to sleep at night, I'm laying there trying to go to sleep. I say, thank you, Father God. I'm going to take a break here. You know, you designed our bodies that we need sleep. I'm going to take a break here. I'm going to be asleep for a while. 
I, I confess and believe I'm going to sleep all night. But I thank you, Father God, that while I'm sleeping, you're not sleeping. While I'm sleeping, you're working. Amen. Hallelujah. Shout out loud, my God's working. My God's working. Now, it works better if you're working. Amen. I said it works better if you're working. Amen. But my God is working. Amen. Your God may be sleeping, but my God is working. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I remember in 1981, I was with a group of ministers and we were in South Korea for a church growth conference with Pastor Paul Young Cho, and uh, we went on a tour and one of the tours, tours, and one of the tours we went on, we went to a Buddhist temple and the guy I worked for back then, he walked over to Bronze Buddha and he said, you're dead Buddha. And then he walked over to Wood Buddha and he said, you're dead Buddha. And then he walked over to whatever the next one was. I mean, he did, and the, 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 uh, the guy got really irritated. And the, the guy I worked for, the pastor I worked for, said, well, why didn't he do something about it? He's dead. Amen. But we're not praying to an image. We're not praying to something that was made by the hands of a man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a reason he is the invisible God. He's not invisible, but he is invisible to us right now because he was not made by the hands of a man. Amen. Amen. Say it out loud. Thank you, Father God. I'm a believer. I'm not a doubter. So you've got to give God a chance. You've got to give God an opportunity. Hope sets the goal. And faith is the means that you employ to get you to the goal. So you have to set goals. Your whole life ought to be setting goals, a series of setting goals. And I think that's why people end up dying too soon. They don't have any goals. The average American male lives six months past retirement. Why? How can that be? Well, because too many people just live to go to work. They have no hobbies, no outside interests. They have nothing besides work. And at work, they said no goals. They just go and they, they uh, show up. You know, I forgot his name. The Belgian professor of psychology that did the interview on mass formation psychosis, Desmond. But he said that before COVID, before COVID, two-thirds of the American population said in surveys that they did not have a single meaningful relationship in their life. And 75% said they got no satisfaction from their job whatsoever. I mean, you talk about the perfect setup for what they have done. And all of this was orchestrated. I'll tell you something else too. I'm getting a little bit off topic, but you need to hear it. All these corporations, companies, they have co-opted this word community. You know, that we have created this community. Let me tell you what. There is no better, no more effective community on planet Earth than the one that was created by the Holy Spirit of God 2,000 years ago at the day of Pentecost, and it is called the Church of the Living God. You could do a survey across our crowd here this morning, and it's not going to be any two-thirds that say they don't have a single meaningful relationship in life. You know where we find our meaningful relationships in life? 
in the community that was designed by the Lord Jesus Christ and put into effect by the Holy Spirit of God. I don't know how many times I hear about somebody in the church losing a job or getting sick or whatever it is, and before they even tell me about it, before I even hear about it, businessmen in the church rally, and they help, and they pitch in. I'm telling you what, this is a community, and this is a community of believers, and when the devil comes along and tells you that you are alone and that nobody cares, you know you're hearing a liar, because if you are a part of the church of the living God, you are in a community that was designed by God. God himself. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I get around family and it just gives me the heebie-jeebies. I mean, I have got to limit my exposure to extended family, but I come to Faith Christian Center and I can just hang out and I can talk to the brothers. Hallelujah. And we spur each other on to more good deeds and more good works. Hallelujah. And I'll tell you something else. It is an environment where we're happy for each other. When somebody gets a great job, we're happy for them. Somebody gets a new car, we're happy for them. Somebody gets a, a better job, we're happy for them. Hallelujah. And I don't know of anywhere you're going to find that except a family of believers, people who actually are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and believers in the Word of God. Can I get an amen? amen. Can I get a better amen? Amen. Say it out loud. I'm going to give God the opportunity to do something wonderful in my life. Number two, our goals should not just be financial in nature. Our goals should not just be financial in nature. Jesus came to bring us the abundant life. Jesus came and gave of himself that you and I might live more abundantly. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come that they might have life and that they might have life more abundantly. In my entire lifetime, Christian ministers have been trying to sell life less. And they wonder how come the world doesn't want it. The world, the world can have less life with no action. The world can have less life without coming to church. The world can have less life without doing any giving into the gospel. People don't want less, they want more. Well, that is very convenient because my Lord and Savior said, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill and to destroy, but I have come that they might have life and that they might have life more abundantly. I see a lot of new faces and I want to be very clear. I don't want there to be any mistake about what you walked into. I am preaching life more abundantly here. I am preaching success here. I am preaching prosperity here. I am preaching healing here. Hallelujah. We don't need God to get sick and lose and die. Hallelujah. But with God, when we're walking with God, we can get healed when we need to get healed. Hallelujah. We can prosper. Hallelujah. We can pull ahead. Hallelujah. And we can be a blessing. Hallelujah. My God has come that you might have life. That's what we're preaching here. Hallelujah. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 8 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. 
And the Apostle John affirmed that our lives ought to be full. Our, our lives ought to be complete. Third John 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. That, that's not one-dimensional success. That's not one-dimensional prosperity. That is the whole man, that you may prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. So we should all have goals, but all of our goals should not revolve around money. All of our goals should not be material in nature. It shouldn't all be about a house or a car or a yacht or an airplane. There should be some other things in our lives that are important to us also. For me, it was a dream. It was a vision from Deuteronomy and Proverbs. And it became for me what W. Clement Stone would call a magnificent obsession. When we got married in 1976, it's hard to believe, but you could buy a nice four-bedroom tract house over here in southwest Arlington for $40,000. And my dad could have handed over $20,000. Sue's dad could have handed over $20,000, and they would never have missed the money. And we would not have had to struggle. I said we would not have had to struggle. We would not have had to delay in having children. We would not have had to wait and struggle. It took more than a dozen years for our net worth to even approach that number. So I began to have a dream. I began to have a vision from Deuteronomy and Proverbs that I would be the pioneer. Makes sense. I was the first generation Christian. I was the first one on either side of the family to have a college education. I was the first one on either side to have a master's degree. I was the first one on either side to have a doctorate degree. So I saw myself as a pioneer, and I rolled up my spiritual sleeves, and I went to the Word of God, and I found every promise I could find in the Word of God that had to do with my ob uh, magnificent obsession, and I just went about working it. And I went about obeying God, and I went about saving money, and I went about investing money. Hallelujah. And I'm here to tell you this day that my God, my Father God, my magnificent Father God has caused those dreams to come to pass. Hallelujah. I'm not dreaming about it anymore. I'm walking in it. I'm not dreaming about it anymore. I'm living it. I'm living the dream, baby. And I got there by believing the Ancient of Days. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> now, if you're not offended yet, hang on. <laughs> Proverbs 19, 14. Houses and wealth are inherited from parents, not the government, not Bernie Sanders. Amen. Houses and wealth are inherited from parents. And notice it's all plural. Houses and wealth are inherited from parents, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. That means, gentlemen, you better pray before you go to Dayton. And gals, you better pray before you go to Goin. Proverbs 13, 22, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. I'll tell you what, in my entire lifetime, among all those fathers in the faith, there was one that excelled at fatherhood more than all the others put together. And the one that excelled 
in fatherhood more than all the others put together is one that would preach on Proverbs 13, 22. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, but his sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. You could hardly go to Houston, Texas and hear John Osteen preach without him saying that a good man leaves an inheritance not just for his children, but his children's children. I say it's time to stop rebelling against the will of God and the word of God on money. I say it's time to start believing God and give God a chance to perform his word in our lives. And I say without apology that the one I'm preaching about this morning is not a liar. He is a truth-telling God, and you can count on him because he is faithful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shout it out loud. My God is faithful. faithful. Number three, and then you're going to have to exercise a little patience, a little perseverance. Look, friends, I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about because while perseverance is my strong suit, patience is not. And it takes perseverance plus patience for God to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine in our lives. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold unswervingly. I'm telling you, we ought to preach a whole series on that word unswervingly. Because if you can be pulled off course, you will be pulled off course. If you can be talked out of it, you will be talked out of it. If Satan can lie you out of your blessing, he'll lie you out of your blessing. Man, you just got to make up your mind. You have just got to set your mind in concrete that God's word is true and everything else is a lie and I'm going to believe God and I'm going to persevere and I'm going to be patient and I'm going to see this thing through. Can I get an amen? Amen. Can I get a better amen? amen? Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This week I've been working on the week of increase 2022. And in those notes, week of increase 2022 coming up in August, I say in one of those messages, ain't nothing going to happen in your life until you start giving God a tenth of everything that crosses your hands, and ain't nothing going to happen in your life until you start honoring the Lord's day. I look around the room while I'm preaching, and I see people missing, but I'll tell you what, you let them hit the wall you let them get in trouble and they'll be here that's not how it works that's not how it works you got to be faithful you've got to be on time man you got to show up you got to show up with the tithe you have got to honor God Amen. Amen. 90 minutes a week and people can't do that Oh, we ought, to, we ought to track their phones like the NSA and find out how much time they're Facebooking. Find out how much time they're Twittering. 
Find out how much time they are, God help us all, tick-tocking. 90 minutes a week. We, I look around the room this morning, there's somebody that I don't see, I haven't seen them in weeks, but oh my gosh, when they had a need, they were, they were tying up bandwidth, emailing Austin about their prayer request. And we prayed, and God answered. And that was the last time we saw them. Somebody might say, well, pastor at work, God answered their prayer. <laughs> yeah, well... How about pulling ahead, man? How about living the dream, baby? How about living life more abundantly? Amen. Amen. Shout it out loud. He who promised is faithful. Shout it again. He who promised is faithful. Now, I'm not, I'm not getting after you. You're here this morning. I'm getting after the people that are watching online and their PJs. Now, look, look. If you're over there in Dubai, God bless you. If you're in Australia, New Zealand, Canada, or one of those other communist countries, God bless you. We're for you. But if you're in Grand Prairie and you're watching this online, then I'm not going to say God bless you. I'm going to say God help you. Get up, get dressed, get showered, get blow dried. I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. We can persevere because God is faithful. And we can be patient because God is faithful. Say it out loud. I'm going to give God the opportunity to do something wonderful in my life. Number four, our confidence is not based on our faithfulness. Our confidence is based on God's faithfulness. Our confidence is not based on our faithfulness. Our confidence is based on God's faithfulness. Hebrews 10.35, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere. Tell the neighbor on the one side, you need to persevere. Tell the neighbor on the other side, you need to persevere. So that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised for in just a little while. He who is coming will come and will not delay. And look, I know you people are... You know, they, they say, well, every, every preacher believes the Lord's coming in his lifetime. I watched an interview this week, January 2016, Klaus Schwab, the head of the World Economic Forum, was saying that by the year 2026, every human being on the planet would have a chip in them. And I thought, well, I know of one that won't. Hallelujah. But I'm telling you what, these are the last days. They got the technology. They can shut you down if you disagree with them. They can shut you down if you peacefully protest. They can shut you down if you have a different opinion. I'm telling you what, the Antichrist is going to rise. But before he is revealed, the Lord Jesus Christ is coming for what? His church. Hallelujah. He is coming for the community of believers. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And all of this will be somebody else's problem. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. 
And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Verse 35 says, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. And how can we not throw away our confidence? Why should we not throw away our confidence? Because Hebrews 10, 23 said, he who promised is faithful. I am alarmed. I am greatly alarmed. Because in the last two years, we have had a culling. We know what you believe by what you do. You go to Hebrews 11, the so-called Faith Hall of Fame. But in Hebrews 11, it is simply a record. Moses did this. Abraham did that. Noah did this. God knows what we believe by what we do. And how many of God's people worldwide followed all these nonsensical and moronic instructions because some man told them to do this or some man told them to do that. And yet these same Christians, when they go to the word of God and God says, do this, or God says, do that, they act like it is multiple choice and they have a decision. They have a choice to do whatever part of the word they want to do. I have got an adjective to describe those people. And it is the word defeated. I tell you what, though, I'm not going to live a defeated life, not one day of my life. I have set my gaze on God like a laser beam. I have set my gaze on God, and I am looking to him. I am looking to the word of God. I am looking for the coming of the Lord. I am going to believe God. I am going to confess the word of God. I'm going to take action on the word of God. And I'm going to live in victory by God every day of my life from this day until I hear the trumpet blast of God and God utter those three words, come up hither. Hallelujah. And I'm not going out with my head hanging down. I'm not going to be thanking God that he saved me from the creditors. I'm not going to think, be thinking that I escaped by the skin of my teeth. I'm going to be going up and I'm going to tell the Lord that was one hell of a ride. Yeah. Hallelujah. 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 My God has led me in triumphal procession. Yeah. Hallelujah. And the devil is defeated and the devil is under our feet. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Hallelujah. Victory. 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 That's what we're preaching here. Hallelujah. The devil is defeated and the people of God are victorious. So do not throw away your confidence. It'll be richly rewarded. And how can we not throw away our confidence? Why should we not throw away our confidence? Because he who promised is faithful. So our confidence is based on the fact that God is faithful. Our confidence is based on the fact that God is faithful to his word. Our confidence is based on the fact that God's word is true. 
Our confidence is based on the fact that God is not a liar. And our confidence is based on the fact that God is no respecter of persons. So if God says he will do something, he will do it, he will perform it. Now when I say something like this, it is based on us. Hearing the word, believing the word, confessing the word, and taking action on the word. Nothing will happen until we live like this. Nothing will happen unless we take God at his word. Look again at verse 35. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Hallelujah. I stand here today two years after the panic, and my confidence has been richly rewarded. We have not lost a single church member. We have not lost anybody at St. Paul's Preparatory Academy. The Lord our God opened up the windows of heaven and poured out so much money. We paid off Faith Christian Center in the corona panic. Hallelujah. My God is not only faithful, my God is laughing at the world and laughing at the devil and laughing at all of the pandemonium. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our God is not worried. Verse 36 says you need to persevere. In 2022, I live at Mark 11, 22 to 24. In 2022, my address is Mark 11, 22 to 24. Next Sunday morning, we're going to be looking at Mark 11, 22 to 24. Mark 11, 22 to 24 is what carried us through 1989 and 1990 and 1991. And Mark 11, 22 to 24 is what carried us through the meltdown. And Mark 11, 22 to 24 is what carried us through the COVID panic. And Mark 11, 22 to 24 is what will carry us through the remainder of 2022 and on to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You can take charge of your life. And you can change your life by taking action today for a better tomorrow. Amen. Let's bow our heads. I want to give an opportunity for people to make their commitments and decisions for the Lord. You may be here this morning. You could be watching online. And you have never made Jesus Christ the Lord and the Savior of your life personally and individually. I'm not talking about being a church member. I'm not talking about having your name on the roll somewhere. I'm not even talking about you gave money to buy the organ somewhere. I'm talking about a living relationship with a living God and his living son. Jesus said in John chapter 3, you must be born again. He said in Revelation 3, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and fellowship with him and he with me. Let me tell you what, I, I feel sorry for Father God. He's been so misrepresented. He's wonderful, he's kind, he's gracious, he's loving, he's long-suffering, he's gracious. I love him. I love him and I love his word and I love his son and I love his spirit. He's for you. Hallelujah. And he'll forgive you. And he'll make something out of you. He's standing at the door and knocking. How many this morning would say, Pastor, I've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and the Savior of my life, but I want to do so this morning. Pastor, pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be saved. I want to be born again. I want to be forgiven of my sins. If that's you this morning, wherever you are, lift a hand up, lift it up high enough to where I can see it. Pastor Gene, that's me. Pray for me. I want to be saved. I want to be born again. I want to give my life to God. I want to be forgiven of my sins. You may be here this morning and you're away from God. There was a time in your life you told God, you prayed that kind of a prayer and you told God that you'd love, you loved him and you'd live for him and you meant it when you prayed it.
but over the passing of time, maybe through wrong associations or maybe uh, being out of church or, you know, old habits, old connections, you find yourself here this morning and you're not living for the Lord, you're backslidden. The word says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many this morning would say, Pastor, that's me. I'm away from God. I'm backslidden. I'm not living for the Lord like I know I should, Pastor. And I don't want to remain in a backslidden condition. I want to recommit my life to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to live for God from this day to my last day. I look around the world, Pastor, and I think you're right. I think these must be the end times. And I don't want to take a chance. I want to live for God. If that's you this morning, lift a hand up. Lift it up high enough to where I can see it. Yes, yes. How many others? This is it. This is it. How do you know there's going to be another Sunday? How do you know there's going to be another altar call? How do you know there's going to be another opportunity? How do you know? Hallelujah. This is it. Everybody in the room, let's stand. Everybody in the room, let's stand. I want to give an opportunity for these uh, who have raised their hands for either invitation to come and join us here at the front. I want to pray for them. If you raised your hand for either invitation, gentlemen, take your Bible in hand. Uh, ladies, take your purse in hand. Bring your belongings. Come to the front. We're going to pray. Amen. And I believe God's going to do a work. Amen. Others who raised their hands, come on. Amen. Hallelujah. And listen, if you did not raise your hand, but God is speaking to you, God is drawing you, God is calling you, Make your way to the front. We're going to pray. Yes, sir. Come on. Amen. For the sake of these that have come and any who may be coming, let's pray together out loud. Father God, in Jesus' name, I give you my life. I've gone my own way. I've done my own thing. And I've lived for self. I've lived my life selfishly. But today I turn from that old way of living. And I give you my life. In the name of Jesus. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. Change my heart, Father. Take out of me, take out of my heart any bitterness, any unforgiveness, any excuse making, and put within me a heart that loves you, loves your word, loves your house. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. If you would go with Mr. Tony Lewis, we'll get you right back in the service as quick as we can. We want, he was going to give you a book, God's Very Own Child. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Which camera's lit up? Where are you? There. So you might be watching online. You can pray that exact same prayer wherever you are. And you could be watching online today. How do I know? Five years from now. Look to the Lord. Pray the prayer. Give your life to God through the Lord Jesus Christ because God is wonderful. God is kind. God is gracious. And he'll forgive you. Hallelujah. You have to believe him and you've got to cooperate with him and let him do the work. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a shout of victory this morning. Amen. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, 
I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.